This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 819, you're listening to WGNS again on this Friday morning today, the 27th of January. And with us in studio today, we have state representatives Mike Sparks and Robert Stevens. How are both of y'all doing today? Doing great, thank you. Well, good. So I guess, uh, what do you want to start off with? Because it's a brand new General Assembly year, 113th, and I don't know... First of all, have that many bills already been filed or discussed? Where, how, how far along are we in the whole process? Oh, I believe as of yesterday, there was about 670 bills that had been filed, but the House filing deadline is Tuesday, and I think the Senate bill filing deadline is late next week, so I imagine there's probably going to be hundreds of more filed before then. So 600 or so already. That's a lot. Oh, you're going to have roughly probably... 1400 bills you know i've got 15 um and years ago you used to have you used to have some lawmakers introduce 50 to 60 piece of legislation representative hardaway comes to mind out of out of memphis he would he'd file like 50 or 60 bills and speaker harwell um at the time beth harwell she she limited it to, to 10 each um to kind of keep it down um which, which which was a good thing you know so i'm at capacity i know robert's getting close to being at capacity and i'm assuming dr terry and uh, and Charlie Bond being chairman of House Finance is going to—he's going to get a lot of folks asking him to carry legislation. And there's a lot that goes into filing a bill, so it's not just a simple process of writing up a, a letter or something like that. I mean, you—you you do a lot of research, I would imagine, talk to a lot of different folks before you actually write up the bill that you're proposing. We don't do that, Scott. Don't do no, I'm that. Kidding. <laughs> we do, uh, but you know, one thing I like about uh, Representative Stevens is he's got he's got that analytical mind like a like most attorneys do, and uh, but what we'll do, you know, you'll, there'll be somebody that's got an issue with something, and they'll come to mind. Maybe it's it's fentanyl, or maybe it's um, uh, you know, maybe it's like Tennessee School Board Association asked me to carry a piece of legislation, so I've got that. That would I talked about last night with the school board with Dr. James um, Sullivan, and I had a good meeting with. Chairman Tammy Sharp and them, and I'm, uh, I, I'm asking the school board if they would approve that. Just kind of give give us their nod that they're for that legislation. What it, what that legislation would do is help to draw down some of this 798 million dollars that's been sitting in a fund for what we call TANF funds that could help leverage some of our NGOs to whether it's uh, summer reading or mentorships. Um, uh, maybe it could be something talking about. Uh, you know, safeguards against um, uh, addiction and making better choices with these young people because we're seeing a lot of lot of uptick in mental health problems and or maybe it's even the game of chess that you've heard Rob Mitchell uh, talk about and Clara Maxwell on the school board. So um, uh, we had we had a really healthy debate last night and discussion of ideas to help with some of the overcrowding at the school board. So hats off to uh, Trey Lee and the school board and everyone else that that were there last night. Again, with us this morning, State Representatives Mike Sparks and Robert Stevens. So I I guess, Robert, headed over to you being this is going to be your first year in the General Assembly, right? That's correct. So what are some of the things or the issues that you're focusing on so far? And and what have some of those who live in your district 
talk to you about? Well, first off, this new district is parts of Smyrna, Laverne, Rockville, Eagleville, and Murfreesboro. So it's a very diverse district, and we talk about all kinds of issues from one end of the district to the other. Uh, to your first question about what I see or is going on in Nashville, I think there's going to be three major areas this year that are going to be focused on. The first one is transportation. Uh, the governor is going to have a, a big transportation bill, I think, this year that will hopefully address some of the congestion and the long-term needs that we have there. Uh, education is going to be huge. We have the third grade retention law, which is a major issue that we hear about everywhere, and I do believe there's going to be some refinement to that. Uh, third graders need to be able to read. The state's pumping in hundreds of millions of dollars to this education program, so it needs to work. But uh, what they passed last year might need to be fine-tuned a little bit. And then also, I think the other big thing that we're going to focus on are the social issues. Uh, the surgeries for minors, for uh, transgender issues, abortion, and things like this will also be hot-button issues that I believe the legislature will spend quite a bit of time on uh, probably fairly soon. And anybody listening, they're welcome to call in or text us any questions they may have, 615-893-1450. Again, call or text any questions, 615-893-1450. Now, on that subject of transgender surgeries, there's actually a rally going on in Murfreesboro tomorrow on the Murfreesboro Civic Plaza specifically focused on that, and the rally was put together by teenagers. What direction are lawmakers headed on this subject? Because I know, for example, Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville, they did transgender surgeries, or I don't know what exactly you would call it. I know they have specific names for it, but they did surgeries on teenagers. And then they paused it back in October. I don't know where they stand on it now, but what types of uh, focus are you going to have on either limiting surgeries like this for teenagers or eliminating them altogether. Well, my understanding is that the House Majority Leader has a bill that would just completely ban this practice. Uh, it's a very emotional issue, and everybody needs to step back and think about this rationally. A 13-year-old does not have the capacity to understand a life-changing, irreversible surgery like this and the long-term consequences, and I think everybody would agree to that if, if we can take the emotion and the sensationalism out of this uh, once someone's 18 of course we can't control what they do but if they're under 18 years of age and are thinking about this they need help with mental health issues and support for their emotional issues not uh, physical surgery yes, totally and, and from what i understand I'm, I'm reading about it now the the surgeries are called gender affirming care or at least that's the blanket level uh, label they give the care to those who are transgender who come to the Vanderbilt Clinic there for some type of help. So, in other words, if they were to, to ban this practice of doing surgery on anybody under the age of 13, what kind of uproar do you think you would get back, if any? Well, there there is a, a group of folks that is very in favor of this being allowed. And In fact, they were there at the Capitol on the day we were sworn in, uh, already protesting about it. Um, so there's going to definitely be some pushback there, but I think by and large, the vast majority of people, if you just step back and look at this, will, will agree that a 14-year-old does not have the capacity to understand a life-changing decision like this and the long-term consequences because, you know, in 20 years, you can't reverse it and go back. It's kind of like a 13-year-old a deciding to get a tattoo. There's no telling what choice yes. they would pick for that tattoo at age 13, but then, you know, 
20 years later, even 10 years later, they're going to regret whatever that choice was for the tattoo. But this, of course, much bigger issue. But that kind of gives you an idea of, of how serious this really is. It is. Um, you know, the, I believe the young lady is Hannah Faulkner. I think she was on with us yesterday. Uh, young Hats off to this young 15-year-old girl, extremely articulate, that's going to be hosting this. Um, I noticed, the, I noticed. well, I won't say the name of the newspaper, but a newspaper here in Rutherford County, you know, you talk about equal equal time and being um, balanced. Um, I noticed the imbalance because they, they kind of shed more light on the the other group than they will her group. Um, but what if folks don't think this is a real issue, go back and watch. Uh, I went and was invited by Matt Walsh's group. He, he shot a documentary called What is a Woman? And this isn't just um, – um, just being hyped up or being radical. This is some serious stuff that that there is a, a little bit of an indoctrination, I think, that's going on across our nation when it comes to this kind of stuff. So uh, folks want to know know more about what, what I see happening is a look at that documentary, What is a Woman, Matt Walsh. And um, and he's just being an objective journalist. Um, and he just asked, he's asked, asked these experts, what is a woman? And no one could ever tell him what a woman is it's it's really it's kind of it's really strange the times that we're in scott and i think most of your listeners would agree you know even the bible talks about there'll be a time where what what's up will be down what's right will be wrong and it's like inside out and um it's hard to make sense of this of this world and um i, I don't know I, I know the areas of mental health is definitely on the rise and i think this is an area that that gets in the realm of mental health because I didn't see this kind of stuff growing up. I'm not saying it didn't exist, but we don't see it where these young people are being encouraged to make these choices that are going to have lifelong consequences. Well, of course, not only is it a, a, a real subject that they're doing real surgeries on kids, basically. Yeah. Uh, you have one 15-year-old who underwent a double mastectomy as she was going through the process to basically become a boy. They put her on different different treatments, different hormones, and, and everything. I mean, this is definitely a real subject. Let's go ahead and take a phone call real quick here. Our number, 615-893-1450. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Yes, good morning. Hey, this is Royce Johnson. How are you guys this morning? Good. Doing How you doing, Good. Hey, I'm doing good. Listen, great subjects this morning. I appreciate you guys covering this and uh, dealing with the issue because it is something that definitely needs to be addressed. I had a different subject I was calling in about, but I kind of got both subjects. I, I, I'd love to, to hear the conversation on this transgender identity stuff. And and also, I was going to ask Mike about his legislation where uh, needing parents or uh, a, an attorney uh, to interrogate underage children. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's something a little close to me. I had an issue with that early uh, when my kids were a lot younger, and I did not appreciate not being involved in that. Yeah. The, uh, going on there and, and all this uh, transgender stuff, and I'll hang up and listen to you guys. All right. Thank you for calling, and we have another call on hold. If you just bear with us, we'll get to your call in just a second. Yeah. Yeah, I, I filed that legislation today. You know, ironically, I had the same legislation seven years ago. So this isn't just being reactive to what happened in Rutherford County, but just want to remind those taxpayers, you know, you just paid for this lawsuit. You may not know about it because a lot of times the media doesn't tell you these things. 
think the original estimate was going to be eleven million, and they negotiated it down to six million dollars. So when you're paying that tax bill, you're paying for this. But there's got to be due process. There's got to be checks and balances. Our forefathers, when they established the Constitution in this country, we had due process. We had uh, civil liberties and freedoms. Um, I see this as a, a a strong conservative issue. When we're seeing young people handcuffed that are eight and ten years old, put in the back of a patrol car, there's no one going to stand up and say this is this is the right thing to do. I mean, you go back and study childhood trauma, ACEs, those areas. Um, you know, I never suffered trauma like that as a kid. Luckily, my neighbor was Sally Walls, the former police chief, so I happened to have great mentors but when you see that and that's your introduction to law enforcement i think law enforcement would agree there's got to be a better way to handle these things but when we're seeing over incarceration of certain certain people something is wrong we need to question these things but ironic and i appreciate royce calling in about that you know that those arrests went down right after i'm trying to run the rest well the but pretty much the process of me running this this um, legislation, which would uh, which would increase due process, where parents would uh, would be notified if their child is being interrogated. Plus, the uh, interrogation would be recorded, so you have a a record on that. But um, but we've got a critical issue with young people today, whether it's mental health, whether it's deviant behavior. Yeah, kids need to be held accountable, um, but we've got to have a better process. Of, of trying to handle this kind of stuff. And I've, I've said this, I don't know how many times at the General Assembly. Since I got elected, our prison budget has doubled, Scott. It's increased $600 million. It's $1.2 billion. $1.2 billion is $1,200 million. So let's invest on the front end with these kids. And that's why I'm proud to run this bill with the School Board Association to try to find more programs to get these kids to think critically, to get them to think about their behavior um, but so much brokenness out there, Scott, with uh, lack of fathers, I would argue, lack of positive male role models. Um, and we're paying the consequences now. And we're and I hate to say it, but we're probably going to see problems in Memphis uh, the next few days. I hope we don't. I prayed for Memphis this morning. Um, I'm afraid we're going to have uh, problems. Yeah, after know? the five officers there were I indicted. Think, I think, yeah, I think we're going to have I think we're going to see some some problems. I mean, I, I hate it, but um but this, here's the irony with that. When the Black Caucus was really upset over what happened in Murfreesboro, right when I'm running my legislation, I mean, it was like the the next day, and they had a press conference, and the the Democrat press secretary, he said, Sparks, do you? they're doing the press conference over here. Do you want to just watch the press conference? I was like, yeah, I just stood there and watched the press conference, and all of a sudden the Black Caucus leader invited me to come up, Brenda Gilmore. She said, will you stand with the Black Caucus? Will you stand with us? And real quick, and I don't make no deals, but I said, I'll stand with you. Just don't bother our police department and bother our police chief, meaning Murfreesboro. Because what worried me was Ferguson. Ferguson had just happened a few weeks, about a week or two earlier. And, man, this community here, if we're not careful, we've got a major university. It doesn't take but one if that happened, if that could that could blow up. It's going to blow up Memphis. I hate to say it, but I, I'm afraid it's going to blow up. And I said, just don't bother our police chief because we need to support our law enforcement. Um, but it don't take but one bad apple or five bad apples in Memphis or a few bad apples that we just seen in Rutherford County here recently in Laverne to spoil the whole the whole batch. But but um, we, thank you for thank you, caller. We got another phone call here. Good morning. Thank you for holding. You're on WGNS. 
Go ahead. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, sorry, is it me? Yeah, it good is. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, okay, okay. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Uh, it's it's Ralph Weber calling in. Hey, Ralph, how's it going? Hey, very good, thanks. I'm in England, actually. It's 2.30 here. England? Yes. What are you doing in England? Uh, it's my uh, father-in-law's 90th birthday. So oh, really? We came over to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. My mother was from Scotland. She just passed last month. She was from Edinburgh. Ah. Oh, sorry to hear that. You like it over yeah. in England? No, so it... Yes, yeah, we just we just got in a couple of hours ago, just landed, so. All right, so what, what kind of question have you got for us this morning? Well, actually, the reason I was calling is to talk about the TASSER study that was just approved by the committee yesterday on the uh, state uh, health benefits for the state employees and all of the waste that's in the, uh, in the system, the excessive spending. Yes. Would you, well, just to catch people up to date on that, you've, you've been up with Dr. Krause, you've been up with, with me and others on WGNS. Ralph used to live here in, in Rutherford County. You've got a company, Metabid, um, and we've got legislation. We've been, we've been at this for how many years, Ralph? Four years now? Yeah, four years since 2019. And get, get folks up to par on what reference-based pricing is and why do you think this would save the taxpayers in Tennessee uh, million, really millions of dollars. Yeah, hundred million or more. Um, Reference-based pricing, what we have found in the state of Tennessee with the state employees health plan is the um, plan has, of course, the Blue Cross Blue Shield network, but the in-network providers are uh, being paid 6% more than the out-of-network providers, and 6% of the total spending is over $100 million. So just dropping that inefficient Blue Cross network is going to save $100 million uh, alone. Yes. Uh, we see variances. For example, the average charges for a, um, for a CT scan of the abdomen are $635, but we see a high of 19800 for a CT scan colonoscopy, the average is $1,212 and the high is 17341 So we see these excessive, outrageous charges that the network is allowing, and that is one of the, one of the things that is leading to excessive spending, waste, wasteful spending, really, is what it is. I mean, who, who's going who's gonna to pay 17000 for a colonoscopy or 19000 for a CT scan? That, that's yes. ridiculous. Yes. But that's the current state of affairs. That's why that's does that exist, right Ralph? In all your years of healthcare experience, um, why does that exist, and why is it set up that way? Where you have a weird outlier? Because you said how much over percentage was was some of those outliers with the colonoscopy and CT scans and uh, uh, the, the colon, other charges? The colonoscopy from the from the average to the highest sixteen hundred percent difference for a CT scan. It's over three thousand percent difference. Where's but where's the, the checks and balances answer, on that, Ralph? Well, obviously there are none. Yes, obviously there are none, uh, and um, you know that's the problem. We rely on the Blue Cross Blue Shield network, but it doesn't have the checks and balances uh, that that are there to protect taxpayers' money. What reference-based pricing does that is more effective, uh, obviously, than a network is it allows you number one, it allows you to go to any doctor or hospital uh it can be in tennessee it can be north carolina kentucky it can be anywhere really 
Um, but, you know, most people like to stay close to home for most medical care, which is, which is fine. But what it does is it pays the doctor or hospital whatever Medicare would pay that hospital for the same procedure plus a margin of, let's say, about 50%. It varies, of course, uh, you know, based on whether you're paying the facility or the doctor. But for the sake of discussion, it'll pay whatever Medicare would pay plus 50%. Yes. That way you don't have those outliers that are 3,000% more. That way, everybody is on a fair and equal footing. So, Mike, is this a bill that's being worked on right now? Yeah, we've been working for... on this for four years now. It's a, it's taken a long time, but we're we we asked for a Tasser study. What last year, Ralph and Tasser? That's what he's saying. Tasser, Tennessee Advisory Council on Government uh, Relations, and um, they took it up with with experts across the state uh, and have have the report. Uh, they just approved it yesterday. But Ralph, you brought up something the other day. I happened to call you, and you brought up um, the guy from Shark Tank. Tell tell us that story you were telling me yeah, the other day. Mark 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 Cuban. Well, try, try uh, to make it I quick because we got another call to grab real quick okay. here. But go go ahead. Sure. Sure, I, I I had uh, I was prescribed a generic version of Celebrex after my shoulder surgery. It was costing two hundred and nine dollars a month. On GoodRx, that same drug is fifty four dollars a month. Through Mark Cuban's new drug company, Cost Plus Drugs, that same drug is four dollars and fifty cents a month. So it's the exact same drug, uh, but huge variance in pricing. Yes. And the Tennessee health plan is probably paying those outrageous prices, too. So the other part of the bill that, that I really like is it rewards Tennessee state employees for saving money. For example, if they get a drug for $4.50 instead of $200, they get a cash reward uh, instead of paying a copay, kind of like a reverse copay, but it's actually cash money in their pocket. So. That's the the really that's one of the really good parts about it. it makes everybody a member of this team. That's well, you talked to dollars. you talked to to Mark Cuban the other day, and and you think he's willing to come up and testify about the lack of transparency in healthcare and and drug costs? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He said that he would come out as long as we can do it before April. And you think he he also told you he thinks he could save the taxpayers one hundred and seventy five was it million dollars? He didn't tell me that directly, but that, that's my quick analysis. Uh, if the state is spending close to $2 billion, probably $500 million of that is on drugs. I'm just wow. guessing. Well, he said that he owns the Dallas Mavericks, million. right? The Dallas Mavericks? Correct. I yes. think there's an article. If yes. folks want more information, just Google Mark Cuban. I think it's called Cost Plus. But he, he's on record saying that if he could implement that with Dallas Mavericks, he'd have saved 150000 with just that basketball team. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that it would save the state 175 million a year. Wow. Well, thank you for it's calling this morning. Yeah, thank you, Ralph. Time right now 8:41. We've got another phone call to get to real quick here. And good morning. Thank you for holding. How are you? Doing very well. How are you all? Good. Uh, just listening to uh, to the last phone call. Uh, I actually called about something else, but. Uh, with, with the gender-affirming surgeries, uh, did you know that they don't pay the, – the facilities that those surgeries are conducted at are subsidized by every taxpayer in the state of Tennessee? I didn't know that. Uh-uh. They don't pay property taxes. They're tax-exempt entities. 
so the taxpayer in the, every taxpayer in Tennessee has is subsidizing those surgeries because they're picking up the tax burden for those tax exempt entities. So you're saying at places like Vanderbilt Medical Center, if they were to perform one of these surgeries, the uh, gender transformation surgeries, then basically because they don't pay the property tax for their building that they're in because they're tax exempt, is that is that what you're saying that that That's means exactly right? That means that, that the is exactly taxpayer right. out there. Okay, right. The uh, I did some research. I did some research on the subject when uh, when this this first came out and every physician in the state of Tennessee that offers these surgeries they are done in a tax exempt hospital setting yes so for years the taxpayers and and this is done with no oversight there's absolutely no oversight in whether or not the the tax exemptions are granted or even vetted at all. If if they're a 501c3 or they're a, a you know, quote-unquote charitable organization, the State Board of Equalization grants them a property tax exemption. Now, are all medical they, facilities tax-exempt, or are there just certain hospitals out there that are tax-exempt? Just certain ones. Uh, any ACA facility is uh, a taxpayer, uh, so Stonecrest pays taxes. Uh, Murfreesboro Medical Center pays property taxes, but uh, St. Thomas does not, Vanderbilt does not. Any procedure that is conducted there is subsidized by the citizens of the county that they reside in. Well, thank you for calling this morning. we got to yeah, take a short break here. Time right Rob. now, 844. You're listening to WGNS. And if you want to call in or text in, you can do so. 615-893-1450. Now, one of the items that I know you mentioned just a little while ago was about the rate of folks who are getting to that point where they get incarcerated. You know, they break the laws and they go down this wrong path. Yeah. And one of the subjects that was mentioned was uh, that third grade literacy rate, that third grade reading level, that third grade, and I could go on and on. But I understand there's a direct correlation with third grade and and the outcome of that person's future if they go to prison, if they don't go to prison, if they get arrested, don't go, you know, if they don't get arrested, and so forth. Let's talk a little bit more about that. When we come back, again, the time right now, 845. You're listening to WGNS again on this Friday morning, today, the 27th of January. A check on that forecast comes your way next. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak where my wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. 
1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come in and do business with my family. As the weather gets worse and we spend more time indoors, give your pets additional enrichment. Here at Animal City, we carry a variety of toys and entertainment for pets of most kinds. When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Big tech is a real danger. Now, Congressman Ken Buck's new book exposes their censorship. It's called Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Google, Facebook, and Twitter suppress the truth about Hunter's laptop, COVID, Trump, and more. If you're tired of their liberal bias and how Google uses Gmail and YouTube TV to censor you, get Crushed, an Amazon bestseller. Find Ken Buck's Crushed at bookstores or see the free offer from Newsmax. Go to Crushed911.com. That's Crushed911.com. Noble Gold Investments is pleased to let you know that gold is the best investment class for 2022. According to LongTermTrends.net, gold has actually outperformed the S&P 500, Dow, and Bitcoin for 2022. So what are you waiting for? Never had real physical gold included in your IRA, Noble Gold Investments has helped thousands of clients buy physical gold for their IRAs for years. Call Noble Gold at 877-646-5347 to add real gold to your IRA. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now, that time, 8.48. Again, you're tuned to WGNS. And this morning, our guest in studio, we have state representatives Robert Stevens and Mike Sparks. And uh, before the break, I I mentioned third grade. What is the big correlation, the big tie to third grade versus how many people are in our prison system? Because I hear that a lot. Well, studies show that you can look at the third grade literacy rate and then kind of predict how many prison beds you're going to need in the future. So this is a very critical age for these kids. They have to be able to read if they're going to be successful. And uh, a couple of years ago, the state passed a law that said that all third graders have to be uh, proficient in reading to advance to the fourth grade. And then, uh, of course, there's some exceptions to that that have not been publicized very well and also an appeal process that a lot of people are not aware of. I do believe that law is going to be refined this year because it it does have some unintended consequences that need to be looked at. But the bottom line is that third graders need to be able to read. It's kind of scary that you can look at third grade, that level of, of child, and say, all right, well, in 10 years and 15 years, this is how many people are more than likely going to be in prison based on those in third grade on if they passed or didn't pass third grade or, or what their reading level was in the third grade. It really is, and so that's why there's such a push to to make sure that these kids can read so that they're set up for success in the future. uh, The state is working on ways to improve education all around. The big thing last year was a change of the funding formula on how much is going to each school system. Uh, In the past, we had a program called the Basic Education Program, which was passed in the early 90s. That program was really antiquated and did not help fast-growing districts like Rutherford County, Murfreesboro City Schools. So last year, the state changed to what's called TISA, 
Tennessee Investment and Student Achievement, and instead of it being a system-based formula, now it's a student-based formula. So every student gets uh, $6,680 per person, and then uh, children with disabilities, uh, fast-growing school districts, uh, sparsely populated districts uh, also will get additional funds for those things. And uh, there's going to be funding in there for tutoring and so forth to help these students that need to uh, become more proficient in reading when they get to the third grade. So this, this new funding formula is going to be great for Rutherford County, especially because it's going to bring in $57 million new dollars this year in our education program. Is that $57 million in Rutherford County alone? That is correct. Wow. And when it comes to the education field, we've got a serious problem on our hands. I would say we're getting towards that crisis level of not having enough teachers and not having enough students in college right now to become a teacher. Well, Senator White and I have a, a bill that will allow student teachers to actually teach if there's vacancies in the school system and they'll be able to get their college credit uh, to finish the program, but they'll also be able to be paid as a teacher during that semester where they're doing the student training. And we think that that will certainly help places like Rutherford County that have vacancies. Uh, there's also a, a bill that's going to allow a last dollar scholarship. So after you use your HOPE scholarship and your federal funds and scholarships, if you need additional money to pay your tuition and so forth, uh, this bill that's being proposed would allow some lottery funds to be used to help uh, encourage people to go to teaching and get their last dollar paid. However, they will have to agree to teach in an underserved area for at least four years in return for that. Now, right now, lottery money goes towards those who are just starting college. It, you know, it, it goes to help pay for their education, but you're saying lottery funds that would be earmarked for specifically to pay for those who want to become a teacher in all four years of school? Th this is uh, Senator White's, I think Senator White was a sponsor. I can't remember yeah, last night if she said that she yeah, was or not. Is. But uh, it's a last dollar scholarship. So after they've exhausted other things, if they need additional funds to, to help pay their tuition, uh, this pot of money that's being proposed would, would help offset those costs so the teacher yeah. doesn't have to come out of pocket. Again, with us this morning, we have state representatives Robert Stevens and Mike Sparks. And we don't have a lot of time left, only about two and a half minutes left. So as we close this morning, what are some of the things that both of you will be looking at next week when going back to the legislative plaza? Well, I have several uh, bills that I filed, but one of those is to eliminate the state litigation tax from adoption cases to help make those a little bit less costly for people. I do believe there's going to be a big package of bills about adoptions this year to make them more efficient and streamlined and try to reduce costs for people. Yeah. If we're going to be the pro-life state that we say yes. we are, then we need to do everything we can to make uh, those things more affordable for people who do want to adopt. Um, I've also got some bills about the court system that probably aren't the most exciting things, but they will make uh, issues a little bit easier for people. Uh, I've got a resolution, a House Joint Resolution, that will ask Congress to finish building the border wall so we can take action at the state level, do whatever we can to help fight illegal immigration. Um, I think that's those are the major things I'm sponsoring. Yeah, the um, uh, but I, I, kudos to, to Representative Stevens and Senator White for that piece of legislation on on helping teachers because we've got a big problem with the with the turnover. But some a lot of that goes back to childhood behavior. A lot of a lot of uh, folks are getting out of the field of teaching, but but we're seeing that in other areas, whether it's law enforcement or other workforce development issues. The areas of mental health is something I'll be concentrating on. The juvenile justice. Um, we've got going back to Robert's point about. Uh, the adoption we've got about 8,000 to 8,500 kids in foster care it's it's really serious DCS has had a difficult time doing their job we're going to get them a bump in pay 
and uh, to hopefully retain uh, good good workers with the uh, DCS department. Sounds good. Again, with us this morning, State Representatives Mike Sparks and Robert Stevens. And that's going to wrap up the, the whole show for this morning. We have to end a couple minutes early today, but we will have you back on in just a few weeks, and we'll right. talk even more and hopefully have more time uh, about some of the subjects and some of the things going on in the General Assembly this year. And when you come back, I, I believe a lot more bills we will probably know at that point if yes. some of them are going through or not that's yes. correct all right thank you scott so definitely thank you for joining us and we'll see you guys again soon time right now 8 55 my grandmother and ms adams were best friends i mean she said maybe you need to come to adam's place you'd love it we're talking with betty kirksey they go above and beyond of what their job is I wish Miss Adams was still living so I could tell her, you were right, it is where I should be, and it's very nice. <laughs> I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.